Hey there, booklies, and welcome to another writing tips episode. Now, before we jump into the topic for our writing tip, I got a very good question on my Instagram account that I wanted to answer here and share the information with everyone. So the question is, why is it not okay to force writing and not do it spontaneously? Okay, so this one is actually in two parts. So let's go ahead and tackle the first part of the question first, and then we'll circle back around to the other. Why is it not okay to force writing? The answer is, people say this because it can lower the overall quality of your writing. The thought process behind this is, when we're forcing our writing, we're not as motivated and therefore not as inspired, so our creativity goes down resulting in an overall lower quality of work. However, my thoughts on the subject of forcing writing are actually very different. The main key word to keep in mind with the reason behind why you shouldn't force your writing is can. It can lower the overall quality of your writing. However, writing is not chiseled in stone, you guys. It is easily erased and edited It doesn't really matter if the first draft, the second draft, or even the 20th draft isn't perfect so long as it is written. If you sometimes feel like you're forcing it, or even feel like you're forcing it a lot, don't let that feeling make you think that you can't be an author. If it's something that you're passionate about, just go ahead and do it. The honest truth is, I don't know a single author who has never forced their writing at some point in time. We all have bad days. We all have the weeks where we just don't want to do anything. But that doesn't mean we can let those down times win. I certainly cannot sit on a couch eating bonbons and watching TV all day. Especially when you're a career author. Deadlines are a thing and they suck. (laughs) All authors, and I do mean all authors, have faced the problem of, do I write or do I go out with my family? Do I take a vacation or do I get some more writing time in? Do I sleep or do I write? We have all pulled all-nighters. Heck, I cannot tell you how many times my husband has gotten up and told me enough is enough, go to sleep. I can't count the number of times my mom, who also does some editing for me, has worried about my sleep, or how many times I've sent my editor a message and she asked me, what the heck are you doing still up? (laughs) Writing is a passion, but we all have forced our writing from time to time. And even though I love what I'm doing, when I've been staring at a computer screen for 16 straight hours or 20 straight hours, Trust me, I want to go to bed. (laughs) But you keep on pushing forward, so please don't feel like that's something you can't do. Now, as for the second part of this question, why is it not okay to write spontaneously? Again, the answer is it can lower the overall quality of your writing. However, in a different way. Writing is a skill that grows and evolves as we go along. And if we stop writing and then pick it back up, After that growth happens, it can show in the writing style. However, my opinion on this again is that it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. If you have a book you want to write, but you don't have a whole lot of time, or if you had to stop for whatever reason, but you still want to finish it, pick it back up. 
Like I said before, it's not set in stone. You should always be editing your work anyway to smooth it out. There's no reason why you can't keep going with your work and go back and edit out the differences later. No matter what, my opinion is always to do what is best for you as a writer. Never let what others think interfere with your writing process because the process is uniquely yours. Thank you again for asking this one. It was a fantastic question on a subject that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. I really hope this answered your question. If not, please feel free to go ahead and send me a message about it and we can talk about it some more. Okay, so this week's topic was actually suggested by the very talented paranormal romance author, Amanda V. Shane. If anyone ever has any topic suggestions or questions, please feel free to send them over to me at bookishcreation at gmail.com, and I can either talk to you about it via email or include it in an episode. Now for this week, we are talking about self-editing. And again, thank you very much, Amanda, for sending in that suggestion. This is a fantastic topic that all writers can benefit from. Now, this subject both is and is not a hard and fast rule when it comes to writing. Fact is, editing is essential no matter who the author is, what genre they write in, or what style they write in. Editing is a must for every written work. And there are different types of editing that must happen within each written work, or as I like to call them, different layers of editing. Now, how you go about editing is up to you. In this episode, we are going to briefly go over the different types or layers of editing that should happen, and then we'll talk about some of the different methods that can be used for editing, as well as some general tips to maximize the results. Okay, so there are many different parts to editing or different layers, and the biggest chunk of that is going to be going through and making changes to the content. What that means is making changes to things like your plot your characters, the romance that they experience, the action that happens. They're the main things that make up your story. They're not so much the typos such as the grammar issues or the spelling errors. It's the main heart of your story that you're going to be editing the most. The first time you go through this, you're going to be looking over it for yourself. And you want to do this as many times as you feel that you need to for your particular story. But it needs to be done at least once. After that, there's one of two things that you can do. Either you want to have someone else look through the story for you for that content improvement, or you want to take a break from your work for a bit, go ahead and go research for another book, go work on another book, and then come back to it. So that way you have more of a fresh perspective on your book and can look at the content with more refreshed eyes. Now, if you go the route of having somebody else look at your book at this alpha phase, you want to make sure that it's someone you can trust, be it a very close friend, a family member, or a fellow author, and make sure that you let them know that you're looking for content improvement, not really typos. Now, after you get that feedback from your alpha reader back or after your break, you're going to want to look over your manuscript again and make the changes that you feel should be made. It's always important to keep in mind that this is your book and you don't have to make the changes that someone suggests. Again, do this as many times as you feel that you need to for your particular story, but it at least needs to be done once. After this layer, you should now have an almost finished product. 
Now it's time for beta readers to look it over. You don't necessarily need a team of beta readers. You can have, again, a trusted person look over the work. But at this phase, it really is important to have someone look over it. So that way you get that fresh perspective on your work and you can see what needs to be changed, what kind of things can be improved upon, if there's any confusion for the reader, or if there's any points where they feel like they're not really all that connected with the character. When your book is in this beta phase and your readers point out the typos, you can definitely pay a lot more attention to it at this point because you might not be making as big of changes as you would have at the alpha phase. After you've made these changes, now it's time for the copy editing process. This is where you're going to be looking for spelling mistakes, grammar mistakes, all those little tiny content issues like small inconsistencies or really small plot holes and dialogue issues. A big thing I see with dialogue issues is missing quotation marks. It's one of the most common things that I usually see in books is a missing quotation mark here or there, so pay attention to that. Now, keep in mind you can and should do as much editing as you feel you need to, even if that means going from layer four all the way back to layer one. So long as you're not allowing editing to stop you from ever publishing, do it as much as you feel that you need to for your particular book. If anyone wants an episode where we look more in-depth at the different layers of editing, please let me know and we can always do that too. So let's go ahead and move on to the different editing methods. There are honestly hundreds of different methods, but I'll share with you the ones I know and then we can look over some things to keep in mind while you're editing. One way of editing has been around forever, and I'm sure just by me saying that you already know what it is. It's writing the editorial notes on the manuscript itself. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, this method is no longer that popular because of the impact printing so many pages can make on the planet, as well as the cost it takes to print so many pages so many times. Remember, your book should not be edited only once. So if you're going to use this particular method of editing, be prepared for the cost it's going to take to print out different drafts of your work many times. However, the authors who do like doing it like it because of the increase in focus that it can provide. It also takes away the possibility that autocorrect will mess with you <laughs> or that whole accidental skipping over a word problems that can happen when you're on the computer. The other thing this can do is slow down the reading process and allow your mind more time to fully emerge into the manuscript itself like your reader would. Now, that does not mean that you can't fully merge yourself when you're on a tablet or on the computer. But when you're looking over it on a PC, flying through it easily can actually cause you to not be emerged in the same way that your reader would. Now, this method doesn't always work for all authors, but for some, just having the pen and paper in their hand does do this. Another method for self-editing that I do know some authors use is the edit-as-you-go method. For this one, what you're going to be doing is you'd write a little bit and then you'd go back and edit it. So, for example, you sit down and you write, say, two chapters and then you stop and you go back and edit it and then you continue on. Now, I will admit this one's not that popular either. A lot of authors hate doing this one. And the reason that a lot of authors don't like this one is because 
while it sounds like it saves you a bunch of time, it really doesn't. Once you're done writing your book, you still have to go back and do all that editing with a finished draft. And quite often as we're writing, we'll find that something happens more towards the end or the middle that we didn't really expect. (laughs) So that means that we have to go back to that first part of the story and make major changes to support the new action that happened. And if you've already edited, a lot of authors feel going back and having to make the changes makes for a waste of editing time. Now, the upside of this is it can really help with some authors' inspiration and ideas while they're writing. Believe it or not, but rereading what you have already written is actually a tool to helping you get past that writer's block. There are many other tools to helping you get past writer's block, but this is a big one. This method also does increase the focus that an author has on their story which can help them avoid making some major plot holes. So, for example, say you're writing a paranormal romance and you have a chapter of high levels of action. And then you stop after that chapter and you go back and you edit the previous three chapters, including the chapter that you just wrote. While editing those previous three chapters, you realize there's something that has to do with the fated mate scenario within Paranormal Romance, if you have that, or you realize there's something that has to do with their powers, that makes that chapter that you wrote with the high levels of action a little inaccurate. (laughs) So then you need to go back and fix that real quick. So it does stop some of those major plot holes that can continue on throughout the book or cause readers to really trip. But keep in mind that it does have its downsides. If this method works for you, fantastic. If it sounds like it's going to help you avoid some of those big plot holes, awesome. Go ahead and go for it. The more editing, the better. Another method that I know of revolves around how the manuscript is actually read. Now that probably sounds funny, but a lot of authors actually read their manuscript out loud. Now, I know some very famous career authors that hate this method and will not do it because it does take a lot of work for books that have high word counts to sit down and read it out loud to yourself. It does in fact also slow down the editing process. But there is a reason why some very famous authors use this method every time. The thing is, our brains are amazing. And I'm sure you've all seen those funny little pictures on social media where it's just a short paragraph made of words that have letters that are either mixed up or even have numbers for letters. And then after a second of reading it, you can read it really easy. This is because our brains tend to fill in the blanks for us a lot. And when we've written something, this happens even more. We already know what we were trying to say in our book and what we want to get across, so we can easily miss both the small typo mistakes as well as the larger confusion or even plot hole type mistakes. However, this happens easier when we read to ourselves. The way the brain processes what you're reading versus what you're saying is different in some small ways, but it's enough to shrink the likelihood of this happening if you read it out loud. 
So for example, when you're reading out loud, you can easily say what you meant to have on the page, but your eyes have a larger chance of realizing that what you said and what you're reading are different. The other benefit this has is it gives you the flow patterns in the writing. Sometimes what we write can sound really different in our head than what it does in reality. So reading it out loud can really help us see the flow of what we're writing a lot better. Now, where that doesn't work is when you're writing something where either it's a paranormal romance or it's a sci-fi type thing or it's a fantasy type thing and your characters talk differently anyways because of either the time period or what they are. <laughs> so at that point, the flow thing, it, it doesn't really help when it comes to reading out loud. So just keep that in mind if you're thinking about trying this method. In addition to the reading out loud method, authors can take this a step further and read the story out loud while others read along with them. This might seem like it might take way too long, and maybe it takes it a little bit too far, but the truth is, is it actually has many benefits. When there is someone else in the room listening to you, we wind up on a different level emotionally than we would have if we were alone. It can make us feel excited or nervous or very defensive to have someone else in the room. But no matter what your emotion is, be it positive or negative, it takes away from the overall comfort of being on our own and gives our brain a new obstacle to deal with, which reduces the likelihood of your brain filling in the blanks. Now, the biggest downfall to this is obviously the timing. Getting someone else to be able to come over and read your book with you in a timely manner is a little bit hard. So if you're wanting to try this method, please be sure that you plan well ahead of your deadline day so that way you have enough time for both you and the person that you're reading to to be able to go through the book. The other benefit that this will give is if you're doing it at the point of beta with your book, that person that you're reading to can act as your beta reader, and then you can just discuss the things that are going on within the book after you're done reading it. A final method I have seen some authors use involves confusing the mind. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I've never tried this before. However, I do know a couple of authors who use this method and love it. Similar to the reading out loud method, this path of editing tries to eliminate the problem that comes from how close we are to our own story. In this method, when you very first sit down to edit your content for the first time, you go through the chapters and edit them out of order. So first you'd edit maybe chapter three, and then you could move on to chapter one, and then 15, and so on and so forth. Then on your next editing sweep, you'd read through it in order. The idea here is if you read the chapters out of order, you confuse your mind enough that you reset the story for yourself. Now, for me, this would confuse the heck out of me, and I'd probably sit there scratching my head going, I don't even know what I'm doing. So <laughs> it wouldn't work out very well for me. But for the people who use it, they really do love this method. And if it sounds like it might be a good way to try and reset the story for you, give it a go. Now, as you might have noticed, a lot of these methods are trying to work to distance you from your writing. This is actually really important. As I always like to say, you're never further away from your own creativity than when you're right up next to it. So before I do any kind of editing, 
What I like to do, if I can, is to walk away from my writing for a set amount of time after I've finished a draft and either move on to working on another book or researching another book, just whatever I can do to give myself at least a few days, ideally a week, to be away from that particular writing that I've finished so that way I can come back to it refreshed. This allows me to catch problems easier and see plot holes a bit better, and I also feel it makes my editing process a bit easier. Another trick to maximizing your editing is to keep each draft saved in another file. A lot of the times when you're doing revisions and changing things around, you'll find an older piece from your writing would have worked great someplace else, and then when you realize you deleted it, you're going to hate yourself! <laughs> So having that saved can really save you a bunch of time. Also, it's important to know how to use the find tool within your writing program. That way you can find what you're looking for in an older draft a lot easier. Also, a lot of the find tools in writing programs have a replace feature that's really, really nice. So if you've decided to change a word in a spell or you decided to change a name of a character, you can use the find tool to find every point where you've used that particular word and then replace it with whatever you want to replace it with. Trust me when I say the find tool is going to be your best friend in editing. It's one you want to make sure that you know how to use. A lot of programs call it different things, but a quick Google search can usually tell you how to use it within the particular writing program you're using. You also want to make sure that you're saving your editing often. It's really heartbreaking to lose fresh new writing in some technical glitch, but losing editing that you've been working on for hours can really set you back and if you've ever experienced it, you know it's absolutely heart-wrenching. And if you haven't, I really hope that you never experience losing your editing process. It is not fun. Also, on the note of saving your editing often so you don't lose it, I wanted to share a trick with you that you can use throughout your writing process to help with not losing things as well as help prove when your work was written. What you want to do is create an email address that is only for you. Give it to no one. No mailing list, no friends. I'm very serious. It's only for you. Then as you're writing your book, stop and email it to yourself often. Give it a subject line like title of the book and date and time or whatever you need to. So for example, Luna's Adventure, November 19th, 5 p.m. That way you can organize things a little bit better, but that way you have almost like a backup file to your backup and a timestamp of when the work was written if you ever need to prove ownership of your work. Trust me when I say that this has come in handy for me a few times where I've either had a technical glitch, something happened in my work, and either the backup failed or I didn't realize I didn't have enough storage on something for my backup. So I was able to just go back to my emails and find my writing there. Now, there are some tricks to editing when you have specific struggles with your own writing. For example, if you struggle with dialogue, a method to editing is to take everything but the dialogue out of the story. And then you can either add the character who said its name to the end or start of the line and read it that way. This allows you to see a lot of issues you might have within your dialogue. For one, does the character have their own voice? 
You can either cover up the names of your main characters or just take the names out and then read through the dialogue and see if you can tell your main characters apart. Or do they all sound the same? You want all of your characters to have their own distinct, unique voice. So doing it this way can really help you see if your characters have that unique voice or if it needs a little bit of work. Another thing that it can help with is emotion in the voice. We don't just show feelings in our facial features or in the actions we do, but we inject them into our words and the way we talk. So look at the dialogue without anything else and see if you can see what's going on in the book through what they're saying alone. Another thing you can do is catch inconsistencies in the speech patterns. If their lines are all right there lined up, you can easily tell when a character is talking in a weird way that's not really natural to their personalities and can be jarring. If you struggle with other specific aspects to your writing and want to know more methods to helping you edit and smooth them out, please shoot me an email and we can either talk about it or we can make an episode out of it. Now, the final thing that I want to say for editing is another hard and fast rule when it comes to editing that a lot of people aren't going to want to hear, but it is just a fact of writing. When you're writing a book that is going to be published, self-editing alone does not cut it. No matter what method you use or how many times you use it or how many different ways you mix up methods and try and edit everything into perfection yourself and try and distance yourself from your writing, you will only always be able to go only so far with it. A fresh pair of professional eyes on your manuscript is needed and will make a tremendous difference in the overall quality of your work. Now, I'm sure there are some authors out there who have been doing it for so long that having that professional editor look at it isn't absolutely necessary, but I'm going to be honest with you, the amount of authors who can actually do that is extremely small. I do not know any author who doesn't benefit from an editor. Even my professors, some of which are world-renowned authors, use editors. While I was in school, in fact, we had quite a few publishing houses come in and try and teach us about the publishing process, and a lot of them required that all their books go through two different editors. You will never lose by having an editor look over your work, and I know that can be hard for self-publishing, but it is a necessary step. Also, you don't need to be traditionally published to have an editor. There are a lot of freelance editors out there. What you want to do, though, is make sure that you research the editor you're thinking about using. Ask them for references, and then also go through books that they've edited. Look at reviews, and make sure that you're looking at the negative reviews. I know that when you're an author, it can be really hard to look at negative reviews, even for a different person's book. But what you're looking for is repeated comments about the editing. You want to make sure if you're paying an editor that their editing skill is on par. So you're going to be looking for comments about there was a lot of spelling errors, there's a lot of grammar errors, there's a lot of confusion. You can also ask other self-published authors who they use for their editor. Making sure that you do your research on somebody that you're going to be paying to edit your book is really, really important. So my biggest suggestion is not to just go off of the editor's references. Make sure that you look into them yourself. Also remember, this book is yours. At the end of the day, it's your choice what you change and what you don't change. You don't have to make every change an editor suggests. 
You don't have to change the things that everyone suggests that you change. If you want your book to feel a certain way, keep it feeling that way. There's nothing wrong with that. And also keep in mind, the people who are making those suggestions really shouldn't get mad at you. So please don't worry about the whole idea of not taking someone's suggestion, making them mad. This is your book. Make sure that you keep it that way. Now, just to reiterate, while it's essential to get a professional editor for the overall quality of your book to improve, you also still need to do all that self-editing. So you're first going to self-edit your book and then send it off to a professional editor. Both of these things are essential for your book to improve in quality and therefore in sales. Now, if you don't have an editor already and you're not quite sure where to start looking for a professional editor, like I mentioned earlier, you can ask your author friends who they use. You can also go online and you'll find several websites that have writer resource lists, which should have a lot of editors listed. For example, my blog does have a list where a few editors are listed. My particular writer's resource list does not have a whole bunch of editors listed, but I only like to put in the ones that I know either personally or I know do a very good job. Editors such as The Editors are fantastic people to use. So if you want to head over to my blog, you can find my resource list under Creative Places, and there are a few editors listed there. Or again, ask your author friends. Always go with somebody that you trust, and don't forget to do your research. Now, on a final somewhat mysterious tip for all the authors out there, in particularly all the indie authors, is to head on over to bbnya underscore official on Twitter and give them a follow. Make sure you keep an eye on that account and the new tweets coming out so you can learn about something new, exciting, and very beneficial coming your way soon. Okay, booklies, that's going to do it for this week's writing tip episode. Remember, if you're enjoying these episodes to subscribe and leave either a rating or a comment, it really helps out a lot and lets me know you're enjoying the content. Again, if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a question, please feel free to shoot me an email at bookishcreation at gmail.com and be sure to check out the blog at bookishcreation.com for more bookish and writing fun. The Bookish Creation logo was created by the Artsy Reader. She is a very talented, wonderful book blogger, so make sure you go and check out her blog at theartsyreader.com for reviews and fun, amazing posts. You absolutely will not want to miss a single post that she puts up, so make sure you subscribe to her as well. I hope you all are reading something fantastic this week and that your writing journey is amazing. I'll talk to you next time. Bye!